All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We're here with another Conversations podcast in which we are talking to some North American Mission Board uh, missionaries and church planters. And today we are going to be talking with Anders and Jessica Snyder. They are in Nampa, Idaho at a church replant. And we're going to get into in just a little bit what a replant looks like and what the idea is. So good to have you guys with us today. Thanks for having us. Okay, so uh, I'm excited about you guys being with us uh, today uh, for multiple reasons. And uh, because I think it's going to be interesting to our listeners that um, the whole plant versus replant concept. And I, I think most of our folks understand the church plant because we are one. I mean, we're only five years old, so we're, we're fairly, I mean, we've been around, but we're still newish, you know, sort of. And so, uh, but the idea of replanting a church and uh, now, most of the folks who are probably watching this have seen the video, the NAM video of you guys by now. So, um, and they they got a taste of what it's about. But we're going to dive into that a little more. So, okay. So, I know you went into it a little bit in the video, but we're going to a little bit more detail about your call to basically go to, and I'm using your words, a dying church. Okay. And um, uh, to go into that community, take, you know, your family there and let's try to replant uh, an older church, dying church. So just kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Well, for us, in terms of calling, um, that was a developing thing in our lives. Uh, We spent a lot of years saying, all right, God, where do you want us in the kingdom? Like what, all we need to know is our niche. Just, just give me kind of my little corner, whatever that would be. And just kind of submitted with a sense of, uh, yeah, I'd rather be a, a doorman in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. So like, whatever the job is, just tell me it has my name on it. And we want it. We want to serve you, Jesus. But that took time to kind of figure out like, where is our place in the grand scheme of things? So we We've been in different areas of ministry in different uh, seasons of life. Uh, did some college ministry early on after we first got married. Um, spent some time working with refugees. Uh, really a call and a heart towards the nations and figuring that out. We spent a couple of years as uh, short-term missionaries with the International Mission Board uh, serving in South America in Chile with an indigenous group there and kind of came home um, probably with more questions than answers <laughs> like okay god that was an, a great experience what do you want us to be doing where when uh what's that going to look like and so we spent a season um just being a regular work a day guy at a job uh living in the houston area and during that season the lord was really beginning to kind of narrow that calling um and 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 part of the reason that it came together the way that it did was that he was weaving in parts of our story from earlier into our new part of our story. So the church that we've um, been able to connect with in the middle of kind of a movement of planting and replanting churches was our home church when we were missionaries on the field with the International Mission Board. So suddenly a, a small neighborhood church in the Denver area that um, we were there kind of during the, the, the slim years uh, was was multiplying and growing and sending and training. And that was hard for us to ignore. So um, it was in that kind of realization, like, wow, God, why were we there in those tough years 
what are you doing now? And then that kind of merged together with the Lord really making clear, hey, Anders, like preach the word, make disciples, and I'll show you when and where and how. So um, calling wise, that's kind of how that came together. Uh, we went back to Denver to be in a, a, a replanting cohort, a training, kind of an internship, um, just in obedience to the Lord, kind of getting started with some of our own training and learning. And uh, less than a year later, there was guys there saying, hey, have you ever heard of Nampa, Idaho? There's this little church there and they've contacted us. Yeah, we're like, Nampa, no, I've never heard of it. So um, obviously you can see it, it all kind of merged together at the right time, but more or less, that's, that's how we ended up here. And how long have you guys been there? It's been just over three years now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So now when you went there, now you weren't, you know, obviously the video talks about church replanting. You weren't planning a church. You already had at least some people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how many people did you start with and how was the whole idea for that church I mean, how did they get to the point where they said, you know what, let's replant ourselves. And according to the video, change the name from First Baptist to Calvary. Uh, I think, is that right, Calvary? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Change it to Calvary. And, you know, I mean, I'll, you know, be honest with you, most churches, they're willing to go through a revitalization, right. okay, which is safely tweaking some things. I mean, really, you know, but when you're replanting, I mean, it's like a heart transplant. I mean, same body, new heart kind of a thing. That's a major, that's a major overhaul. So how did, how did the church get to the point where they said, we want you to come, we want to replant ourselves and just kind of walk us through that, the obstacles and the good stuff as well. So. Sure. Well, you're right. I mean, it was a big decision for this church and um, the, the church, Nampa First Southern Baptist, at, had about 30 to 35 people regularly on Sundays uh, in the season that we're talking about. And so, uh, you know, that's, they, they were beginning to really ask some questions. All right, Lord, you know, what do we do here? What's the next chapter look like? And, and they formed a, a revitalization committee that really committed themselves to, to learning. They began to kind of read books and, and just see what's out there what are people doing and and it was in that season that one of the guys in that committee who's from Iowa originally um, went back home to kind of be with family but he was also hoping to really reconnect with some ministry folks there that had been significant in his life really with a bag of questions like maybe some of my old connections could have either ideas or some kind of energy to kind of help put into this and um uh, in essence, he, he found out that they didn't feel like they understood that niche of like, we, we know how to plant new churches. We don't know how to help, you know, existing dying churches. And so he, he kind of hung his head like, well, you know, we didn't know what to hope for. And uh, the ministry man he was there talking with found himself the very next day sitting across the table from one of the guys from the Calvary family of churches who happened to be in Iowa at the time. And he's like, bro, like, these guys say that they help plant and replant churches in the Western United States. Like you guys got to talk like today. <laughs> so um, yeah, there was just this divine appointment. And so um, a, a guy from Calvary church, Inglewood, which was our old home church, which is our sending church and kind of at the center of, of a family of churches. Now that has grown, there's a 
27, 28 churches now that have either been planted or replanted or adopted into this family of churches. Um, they got talking and over the course of really a good chunk of a year with that committee, a lot of asking of questions, exchanging information, what would this look like? They started to kind of feel out the idea of replanting. And so um, that's how that connection was made. Um, and then, yeah, would you say more about the church and how we kind of got into the mix ourselves? No, I think you explained it well. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Because uh, be honest with you, you know, when I hear church, a church that has successfully replanted itself, and based on the little information I have of you guys, because uh, I went to your website, you know, and checked, checked you guys out before, before this afternoon, and... Um, all, you know, watch the video and all that kind of stuff and read what Nam had on you. Um, you know, most churches, I mean, they're just not willing to replant, reinvent, reimagine. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, okay, now there's going to be some folks watching this who are saying, I just can't imagine because some of the, okay, now some of the folks that we have, and like any church plant, you know, you're going to pick up some folks that were disgruntled, you know what I'm saying? It, what, it just wasn't happening, or they had gotten apathetic about the church they were at, or whatever, you know. And some, you know, obviously some were just praying for something new to come to the community. And we've got, we've picked up all kinds of people. I mean, folks were Genesis is their first church ever to people who were, mad at the last pastor, you know, whatever at the church they were at. And of course we had to address all that. But anyway, so what I'm saying is, is that um, when you started meeting with them and they began to seriously embrace you and whatever your vision was and, uh, and a combination of their own things that they've read and everything, uh, you know, did, did you lose anybody over this? I mean, from the original core group, uh, you know, how to, I mean, cause I, I, I you know, church replanning, man, that's, I want to be honest with you. That's tough. I've done three church revitalizations and two went well, really well. One was the Titanic. I mean, it just, just bottomed out. And, uh, and so just kind of talk about that yeah. <laughs> because I'm always fascinated when a church replant it's actually successful because it is so hard with it with with some churches yeah. no you're you're definitely right there was i, I think the season before us uh, before we got there was it was a, was a season of pruning yeah uh you yeah. want to talk to that a little bit uh well just i just wanted to add that the before us coming was critical uh they, for a full year, the group that formed, they prayed. Not only did they research, but they were praying and seeking God. Like, God, we know we're unhealthy. We know that this church is going to close its doors unless you show up and you do something. And I think there was the attitude of, we know we need to be out of the way so that God can do what only God can do. And then... Um, corporately as a church they voted yes we want to replant under the calvary family of churches 
And that's before they even knew anything about Anders and Jessica and our four kids. So they said, yes, we would like to go through this process of replanting. And then it was, okay, Calvary family, we trust you that you're going to match us with someone that's going through your training pipeline who you feel is the right fit for us. And we're like, okay, God, we trust you. Calvary family, we're in this. We have voted yes unanimously. Um, so kind of hands off and God, like we're on this roller coaster. So whoever you bring, that's that's who you're bringing. Yeah. Um, so we came and they didn't even know, they didn't know it was Anders and Jessica and their four kids. Yeah, so, so they were saying yes to the process before saying yes to the person. Right. And uh, and and I think the, the to your question, uh, how do you how do you get to that stage? I, in our particular case, and it plays out in different ways. I, I think the season prior was so full of um, tribulation and division and frustration that the Lord used that. There was some some pruning that was really necessary. And what was left in these 30 to 35 people was people that were done with the idea of it's, it's my church and ready to say this is Christ's church. Um, and the ones that had trouble with that kind of thinking were the ones that, that were pruned and weren't there. And so a very kind of tired and weary, but a humbled group. And so this group was ready for kind of like, Lord, whatever. And it was as a result of kind of the difficulty that of that season. So, you know, when we showed up, there's 30 to 35 people come, coming on Sundays. Um, that was our core team, basically. So if you're talking in church plant lingo, uh, we didn't come to town with a core team, you know, trained and ready to do this with us. It was a group of people saying, we're in, we, we've kind of corporately decided that's what we're going to do. And so um, some of that work of, are we, are we ready for this ride was done prior. And I think that's pretty key in, in replanting is that you work through enough process before saying yes, that you know what you're signing up for and what, what lies ahead. And at least on paper, the commitment is we're in, we're going to do this together. And so our folks, um, the ones that were left and the ones that had come to that point and ready to make that vote, they were ready. They were ready for what, you know, come what may, um, just submitted to the Lord's leading in that. So that helped because then you're not trying to win hearts first, try and convince people of, hey, let's do something different here. That part was done. Then we show up and it's, okay, now it's time to start executing on, you know, pre preparing the relaunch um, and building towards that kind of that restart point. So. I don't know. Does that help kind of help? Oh, yeah. yeah no, you're, no, you're doing good. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so in the video, it talked about um, um, the, core, the core group you had when you got there. And then I think it mentioned, like, you guys were running about 100 or so now, something like that, or at least in the video, when the video was made. And uh, so, I mean, what I'm hearing is, is that, you know, really, you replanted a church that went from this little core group, and you've tripled in size, is what I'm hearing. If the, if the numbers are, are correct. So now in church world, that doesn't matter if that's 10 to 30 or that's 30 to a hundred or whatever. I mean, that in ministry, that is difficult to do. You know what I'm saying? 
uh, no matter where you're replanting a church and a community. So, but what I'm saying with this, what did you do? My question, the reason why I stated that is because um, what did you guys do as a church to say, okay, well, let's reach some new people, you know, we're replanting. So we got to do some things differently. Talk to us about how you got connected with the people, the community, you know, just walk us through that, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first thing is, I mean, we showed up desperately saying, Jesus, if you don't show up, we're sunk. I mean, just the, that was our heart, remains our heart. Uh, you can look back on my resume and, and see this guy is not necessarily the right guy on paper for the job, but if God's moving, then we're going to say yes and believe him. So there's a lot of really deep depending, like, Jesus, you've got to show up here or we're sunk. Um, that's been the, the background. And, um, and, and I was grabbing my Bible to look to a passage that comes to mind, but, but Paul talks about the, the fact that I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. And, and that's really been part of this too, is our whole process, even through the NAM video and whatnot, is to say, we got to brag on what Jesus can do. Um, he's the head of his church and he loves his church and he he wants to be glorified through his church so knowing those things there's this deep love of a, a leader of a church who says I, I can you know I can do this now were we going to try some stuff yeah uh, a big part of this for us was shifting of a mentality that uh, over time when a church is kind of on the decline tends to turn inward you know it's kind of circle the wagons we get in survival mode and it's very kind of we just think inwardly so really had to shift that thinking to think outwardly and say this isn't about you and the few folks that you're used to seeing on the weekend just making it it's about these people outside our doors that that we've lost sight of over time and so um you know we just really got in a a mode of try stuff you know, we just got to be out there. The community needs to know we're here. So there are a few things. One was about use of the building. Like, man, we got this kingdom resource. It's one of the blessings of replanting is that you're not starting, you know, in a school or somewhere. You've got resources to use. And the building sits idle so much through, through the lean years. And so um, we started to kind of be aware of and think of ways that the building could be used, even not by us just so there's cars in the parking lot and stuff happening. So um, we, we relatively early on, not right off the bat, but we have a, another church that's using the building, a Spanish language congregation that's meeting in the afternoons. You know, we say yes to the bus company that wants their Christmas party to have a location nearby. I mean, anything that was, you know, able to be honoring to the Lord or not dishonoring, just community kind of orientation. So that was one. But the others, we, we, we got out into the neighborhood. It was time to meet neighbors. And for us, meeting neighbors, we had to do it in ways that were um, distinct from what people are used to, particularly with Mormonism here. So they're used to a lot of pairs of people walking up the walk, knocking on the door and ready to have a religious conversation. Let's go. Um, but what would be distinct about us coming to doors in that environment? And so we wanted to really show that we're a neighborhood church. I mean, if you came to our church, we are nestled, right? It's houses, houses, houses all around us. There's nothing else around. Streets. We're, we're off the beaten path. You'll never see us unless you came to see us on purpose. Um, but it's neighbors. And so 
we were just trying to think, how can we think neighborly? So we would come to doors. We, we, we got some funding through our state to, to buy a whole load of light bulbs. And we're like, all right, everybody needs a light bulb. This is just a gift, a token. It's almost silly, but that's all right. That's kind of part of the point. Make people scratch their heads, you know. And we would say, hey, we just want to meet you. This is just for you. Um, just a kind of a kindness on behalf of this church. You know, we're right over here. And of course, chance to give a little information and let them know who we are and let the Lord lead. If we can pray for somebody or, or if, you know, the lights are green, share the gospel. But it was a lot of walking the streets and knocking on doors and just sort of reintroducing ourselves that way. We um, at Christmas time, we baked cookies yeah. and put together plates and we hit the streets with with our kids like this is everybody's involved. So we've got families, we've got old, we've got young, and we're knocking on doors. And instead of we want something from you, it's, hey, we want to just reintroduce, reintroduce ourselves that we're here in your neighborhood and we care about you. We just want you to remember we're here and here's something for you. And we gave out cookies. We've given out light bulbs. Um, we've done prayer walking. Yeah, um, we, we put a big map up in, in our conference room that was zoomed in so you can see every house on every block and it's kind of tight to right around our area and just began kind of tracking like we put a little calvary symbol everywhere there's a church family that's already part of us and we put a little cross everywhere it's a churched family even though they may not be with us and then just kind of to be able to visualize guys this is this is our zone like this is the place to be and so to this day that's up on the wall and we continue to just try and keep a focus on this is our neighborhood we may not be able to reach 90 plus thousand people in Nampa um, and have them in our sanctuary. I mean, we hold like 150 plus, we're pretty full, like that's about it. So we're just a little neighborhood church anyway, but, but we know that on that block, on that corner, we're the gospel outpost there. Um, and particularly ours is sort of a, a depressed, older kind of rundown part of town that's not the great place to be everybody who's building new churches is going to go over there where the new neighborhoods are and where where all the action's at and ours could be forgotten if we decided to bail um, in fact I was given advice when I first moved to town you know the first thing to do if you want to be successful and get people coming go to one of those new areas of town just just pull out of the neighborhood we we're like this church has been here since the 50s these people will have no gospel outpost right here if we decide to bail so um, that was part of the thinking. We just, we just have to be out there and just try stuff. Pretty silly. And just a few of us, we got help from other churches. So there's, you know, a big church down the road that loves Jesus and his kingdom. They like loaned us people to walk the streets with us because sometimes you don't even have enough, you know. Um, but yeah, it's about partnership and prayer. It's about um, turning outward and not inward. And that's been part of it. But of course, the Lord, the people that have come and been become a part of the church, it's almost laughable. Where do these people come from? Like, it's just great stories. I mean, new people move into town that are just, you know, already mature in the Lord and ready to rock. And like, wow, and you're going to choose us and be with us. <laughs> um, you know, so the Lord has done the adding, um, but it's been a, a real grace. Yeah. You know, when, um, as I've been pastor 25 years, and when anybody decides to want to be a part of any church I've ever pastored, I mean, there were there was a couple of churches I pastored 
I, I mean, I just flat out ask them why. <laughs> I mean, because there there were some times where uh, in the early days where, man, I, there was this one family. They God brought them. They were godsend. I didn't know how much of a gold mine they were when mm-hmm. I first met them, and um, and we were talking after I got to know them, and they were coming to church. And we were I was over at their house eating with them. And uh, we we're just talking about ministry and stuff. And he was a school superintendent at the time of a, a of a area just north of the where I used to pastor years ago. But anyway, I said, "Why did you guys decide to come to the you know to the church that because we didn't offer anything because they had like four or five kids. We didn't we didn't, at that time we didn't have a children's ministry. We're an older congregation. I mean, it was early in the revitalization process." And they said, well, we wanted to go somewhere where we thought God could use us to help, you know, and, and then he, but this is one of the things he said was, he said, when we first met you, we asked you about a vision in about three minutes. I just, you know, spewed out the vision that we had, you know, and they said, that was all it took, you know, they said, we just want to make sure you had a vision and we just connected immediately with it. And, um, um, you didn't have a whole lot, but you were headed in the right direction. And I thought, I thought, thank you, Lord, for letting me have, you know, enough wisdom in my, I was in my twenties, you know, at the time to have some kind of vision for that little old congregation, you know, because man, God mm-hmm. used them mildly, but you just never know who, how God brings somebody and why they show up and why they stay. It's always humbling. It really is. Exactly. I'm just thankful for it. Okay. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you have four kids. Okay. Let's talk about uh, your family a little bit because we'll have some, you know, families and wives and you know some dads watching this and they'll be just going man they got four kids you know and they went to nampa idaho and you know to to a dying church and it it into what you what you said sounds like the rougher side of town and uh you know so talk to us about the whole family life and you know your kids and how that all works in in your context Uh, First, I just want to add, I'm a Missouri girl. (laughs) I grew up in Missouri. (laughs) So what what part of Missouri? Um, First, the my parents are from Kansas City. Okay, yep. And um, I lived in Liberty and Tipton and Bramer and Springfield. Man, Um, I've been just about to every one of those places. Yeah, so I um, went to college at Hannibal LaGrange. Wow, that's just an hour away from us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, and I, I, I grew up um, with a, a heart for people and for missions, but I thought I'm never going to get out of the Midwest. I'm going to be stuck here for my whole life. And when you just say yes to God with hands open, a life of faith is an adventurous life. <laughs> and uh, we've been all kinds of places and never dreamed we'd be in Idaho. So yeah. here we are. <laughs> to be honest with you, you are the first couple I have ever talked to that was in any kind of missionary status from Idaho. Okay. That's ministering okay. in Idaho because Idaho is just one of those places where I, I, it's, it's kind of gets lost. It does. It's, it's true. It's Potatoes. Just- Yes, it's, it's we're just, known for potatoes, and yeah, it's yes. like Idaho. Who's ever heard of Idaho? Whoever talks yeah. about Idaho, whoever goes to Idaho, whoever Idaho. Goes, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. who would move to Idaho? I mean, that's, 
I mean, you know, it's not that it's a bad place. It's just, again, it's like that. It's like that. If you've got a bunch of kids, you got that one that's really quiet, you know, they just sort everybody sort of forgets. Yeah. <laughs> the, the obvious answer to your question, who would move to Idaho is someone from Missouri. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he froze there. Uh, that's okay. He'll be back soon. I am sure. So, so talk to us about your family and, and, what Jeff was talking about there and kind of how that blends with the whole, we moved to Idaho thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we've been here just a little over three years. Uh, our oldest daughter, Adrielle is 15 now. She was 12 when we moved here. Our only son, Bowden is 13. And we have a daughter, Annika, who just turned 10 and a daughter, Jovi, who just turned eight. And yeah, when we moved here, Jovi was not even in kindergarten yet. Um, so a lot of, has changed in the three years that we've been here. Um, one kind of funny story, the day that we arrived in Nampa with our U-Haul truck and our car and all of our life belongings, um, we had arranged online to rent a house the very next day we were we were going to move in and unload our U-Haul and move into this house that was a little bit too small for us but it was down the street from the church and we just we knew we knew it would work we could make it work make it work we can make it work um so that was Sunday Monday morning we wake up and an email from the owner of the house said I've decided not to rent the home it's not even available anymore uh Good luck. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, uh, what do we do? <laughs> you have a family of six, all of our life belongings. We have nowhere to lay our head. This is a problem. School starts in three days. So it was Monday. School started on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. That Monday also happened to be the day of the solar eclipse. <laughs> so <laughs> we're driving around town the entire day all, or that morning looking for any for rent sign, calling all of the apartment complexes. We're trying absolutely everything we can in our own strength to find someplace that we could call home. Um, about halfway through the day, we went to register the children for school because school started in just a couple days. And we arrive and I'm telling the administrative office, our story. So we're here, we're new, we had a house, now we don't have a house. My husband does have a job, here's the address to that place, but we really don't have a house quite yet. And she said, ma'am, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but I have to register your children as homeless. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> um, here's a form. Okay, yeah. yeah. So fill out a form and it's like, well, this is new. I've never done this before. <laughs> um, so then the solar eclipse is taking place around lunchtime. The entire city shuts down. Um, so we are having zero progress and we're, you know, just kind of put on pause, put on hold. Um, and then the eclipse kind of wraps up and ends and we go back to, okay, I don't know what else to do, but let's start calling any number we can and let's drive around town. Let's just look for anything, some signs for rent. And then we stopped at Taco Bell to feed our hungry children who are tired and starving and tacos at Taco Bell are cheap. <laughs> and I tell Anders, go ahead and go in, start ordering, just 
give me a minute. <laughs> and I stayed in the car and I just had a moment with the Lord. And I said, God, I know without a doubt that you brought us here. And I know we're exactly where we're meant to be because you literally picked us up. We did not go seeking this or looking for this, but you picked us up and you've dropped us here in Nampa, Idaho for your kingdom purposes and your glory. And I know you're going to provide for us, but at this moment, I just can't see it. And I'm scared. And I had some tears. I said, but God, I trust you. And then I went in to join my family. We finish our tacos and we go back to driving around town and Anders' cell phone rings. And the message was, hey, a house just came on the market for rent. It's two blocks from the church. It's got four bedrooms. It has um, a really nice yard, uh, like all of these things. At that, that were... point, you don't even need to hear that. You just hear it has walls and a roof. Right, exactly. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, we were ready to make whatever work. Whatever. Give me a, you know, a bedroom and a and a bed that folds in the wall, whatever. But uh, yeah, so, so just to, came through. I'll just wrap it up quickly. But um, the house that fell through that we thought we were going to move into, uh, people that were involved with uh, drug activity were there prior and the house was trashed. It was just a complete wreck. It wasn't even ready for our family to move into. And then the, the home that then became available, they were putting in brand new carpet. It was just like God said, okay, it, you can't in your own thing. It was owned by a Christian <laughs> family that had never rented anybody before. And they were thrilled to know like, hey, we're actually helping a pastor down the street and ended up really having a sweet connection even with the owners. It was only God can do only little God things. Can like, do. I mean, it's huge for us, but little things for him. That's an incredible story that Jeff is going to have to go back and watch now because he just <laughs> got back with us. Yeah, and he's going to have to find out why you had to tell the state that your kids were homeless for a <laughs> yeah. while there. So he's going to have to figure that one out for himself. And uh, um, Jeff, I have I have one question I would like to ask them, and that was um, tell me one thing. So a lot of the people that are at Genesis are, like Jeff said, unchurched. Um, or have been de-churched for years and years and years. So uh, when we say the North American Mission Board, um, any, Ar any Armstrong Easter offering, or here's what you're giving to, um, it's kind of nebulous to them, which is why we're doing this. So they can kind of put some faces with this stuff. But what is something in the last, say, year or two, or since you started the church that you would say, man, this was the big win. This was a defining moment, something really cool that happened because you're in Nampa, Idaho, and God's working through you there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we talk about maintaining a presence that would otherwise go away in that community. Um, I think some of the best stories have come because there's still people who love Jesus present right there in that community. And so, um, you know, the North American Mission Board is being funded through this kind of giving. The, the Easter offering goes directly to them. It's their biggest um, budget um, as far as income goes. And, and then that goes out. So like we're being monthly receiving some support to make sure that we can uphold this. It's like the little tree needs those little, you know, like wires to hold it up while it gains a, its roots and, and grows a little bit of a trunk so it can stand on its own. So funding wise, that's what's been happening. But in the meantime, because we've been able to do that 
like sooner rather than later. One, we got to jump in with this church at the crucial time. It was like, look, this is the window of opportunity. If you wait too long, it's done and it's gone. Or so that's important to keep in mind that there's, you know, this timing and to be able to be mobilized and go. Um, but that presence, man, like that, I could tell a story about one kid who, who was leaning in the, on the brick wall of our church, just to borrow the shadow, like wasn't there because it's a church. It's just a place. He had just walked 20 plus miles from prison where he had just gotten out, just a kid, drug problems and whatnot were his background. And he had his head, you know, like in his hands, uh, just, just done, no plan, uh, really felt like no place for himself in society he was feeling like I just don't belong. And, and he's just leaning on our brick wall. So uh, I happen to be there that day at that time. And I step outside and, Hey bud, like, what's your name? What's going on? And I, I just sat down next to him, leaned my back against the bricks in the shade and started a conversation before you knew it, we were gone to have a burger and let's, you know, let's feed this kid and let's have some time, some more time in conversation. And he was just ripe for the, for the gospel because he didn't know anybody cared. He didn't let alone God, you know, to have a place. And so I shared the gospel with him and he was responsive to that. Um, we, we got to baptize him in a baptistry that had been dry for a long chunks of time over, over the history, recent history of the church. And, um, you know, to this day, he's engaged with our community. He's stumbling along and growing in the Lord. And But that's one example of how if the church has closed its doors, if you sell it and say, you know, build an apartment complex here or whatever else is developing. Nampa is a growing area. Our whole valley is like people are pouring in. Um, so, you know, property would be something that they could do anything with. Um, uh, but no, instead it's a, it's a gospel outpost for Jesus. And so the desperate lost soul who needs a place to, to hang his head and, and have some hope given it's still there. And that's true for another story of a family that lived just blocks from the church, um, living together, had a kid together, not married. He was like, I kind of knew about Jesus when I was a kid and maybe now I'm ready to sort of come back to church and rededicate my life. She had nothing to do with Jesus and she would come to church with this, like, um, I'm just here for him. He seems to like it. You people seem okay. So I don't mind hanging out. Actually, you people seem a little weird because you sing <laughs> and I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And she just had this super sort of, you people won't get to me, but you know, she I'm said, around. I'm digging in my heels and don't make me your project. And we just <laughs> prayed for her and prayed for her and loved her and yeah. loved her. Um, and two, two, two years plus yeah. of that and the gospel warmed her heart. And yeah. uh, she came to the Lord. We, they got married. Um, and actually, it was part of the reason she came to the Lord was going through marriage counseling together, mm -hmm. where uh, she just was resistant to all of that. And But we say, hey, we're going to just talk about what's in the scriptures. We're going to explore God's view of things. And uh, I think she started to see God's way as like, you know what, it actually seems to work. And um and over time, God warmed her heart. So it's things like that where if oh, we just want to be present in the community. She's the girl that's being baptized oh, in our video. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. And so, the, the, her baptism was the day the name was crew was here. It was such so. a joyful day. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And everybody in our little church had had loved a, on that family a piece in different of their ways. Story. Yeah. And it wasn't like a one person story. It was like, no, they were just sort of part of us. And they patiently just let them have a place among us and let God do his work over time. And yeah. praise the Lord. That changes yeah. eternity. Yeah. And that's the way it's supposed to work, man. I like it. Uh, that's a cool story. Mm-hmm. yeah you know now should have just ran with that story right there the whole time you know but um uh okay so uh chris how are we doing on time where are we at about 40 minutes <laughs> what yeah, man, this has been great around in there like not right at it but i mean you know i'm just wrapping up a little bit i can't believe that i really thought we were like at 20 minutes i, mean, I really did I, I, that's why i asked because it felt like okay it's time to wrap it up we're having you know? such a good time together yeah, yeah. wow okay Probably well we're like 35 but we yeah we're, we're getting there yeah okay well um well let's go ahead and wrap it up here then <laughs> we probably need to okay so hey guys thank you so much for um just hanging out with us and sharing a little bit of your life with us and what god's doing with you and the whole um uh, uh nampa idaho am i saying nampa yep yeah That's like tampa like nampa yeah, yeah, like Tampa, Idaho. Okay, <laughs> and so uh, with what God's doing there, and um, uh, you guys are are seem like an awesome couple, and that God's using you guys there, and uh, and I know from being a pastor, it's not all easy, and it's not all fun, you know. And most people just see us on Sunday morning or teaching a class or doing discipleship, and it seems like all we do is have fun and tell people what to do, but. Uh, uh, there's a lot of times where you just have to roll up sleeves and, and behind closed doors or in the shadows, you're just, you know, you're just doing the hard work of ministry, you're just loving people and having to deal with their sin and journeying with them through their mess. And, um, so we appreciate, you know, you know, you and what you're doing there and, um, you know, and, and whatever fire you've got, maybe it'll spread to some of us as well here, you know, in Genesis and we just, we're on the same team trying to accomplish the same thing, make disciples. So, um, all right, guys, we appreciate it and, uh, and enjoy our time together with you. Thanks for having us. God bless you guys. Yeah.